welcome to tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Bosard, as always, with my co-host, Shane P. Howellman. Shane, 70 days, 22 hours, 59 minutes, 35 seconds away from the 2022 NFL Draft. It is uh, officially draft season. The NFL season is over, um, maybe unfortunately for your Bengals there, Brian, uh, in the Super Bowl. But we are we are in the heyday now where all 32 teams, all 32 teams fans are looking ahead to the draft. And, and that's uh, a little bit what we'll be talking about today. Yep. Uh, ten weeks away from the draft. Uh, ten weeks. Well, ten weeks from tomorrow will be the official start of the 2022 NFL Draft, and we're going to have you covered uh, every day uh, between now and then with quality content. Uh, Shane, uh, first of all, we want to – we've got several questions already on Twitter, but we want to encourage anybody that's watching the live stream here or if you're following on Twitter, send us uh, at Draft Countdown with your questions, and we are going to answer them at the end of the show. I think we've got four or five already, so pretty good good arrayment of questions there that we're going to get to. People are ready. People are ready for the draft. It is it. draft season, baby. Uh, but you mentioned the uh, the Super Bowl is in the book. Super Bowl Fifty Six. Uh, the Rams twenty three to twenty come from behind win in the fourth quarter over the Cincinnati Bengals. Shane and uh, it was it's a tough tough. It's been a tough three days for me for sure. Uh, I, I mentioned to you. Uh, before we went on, I almost would have rather seen them get beat like 40 to nothing or something instead of me sitting here for the last three days asking or thinking what if, what could have happened. But, uh, you know, didn't really expect them to be there this year for sure. Thought they'd be a borderline playoff team, if anything. And they won the division, won the AFC, and showed on the grandest stage that they were Super Bowl ready for 58 minutes. Uh, beating the Chiefs in Kansas City, I think it's a big statement too. Like it, it was a good season for the Bengals, and I think everyone knew what the issues were for the team going into the season. I don't think it changed. They adjusted well to play to their strengths, but you know we saw again in the Super Bowl the offensive line fall apart, and and the you know starting corners can be upgraded. I, I mean, I think the Bengals have a little bit of work to do, but they still have one of the best young quarterbacks in football, one of the best young young receiver duos, trios in football. Um, and, you know, and that that's going to go a long way to, I think, keeping them successful in, it, in a very, what's going to be a very tough AFC and, and, and probably a tough AFC North. Still got to compete with the Ravens there. Um, so going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been kind of mentioned, you know, in passing, you know, people, I guess, maybe trying to console me a little bit. It's like, oh, they'll be back, they'll be back. But, I mean, in the AFC – Maybe if they were in the NFC, I could see this. But man, the AFC, I mean, just, I mean, just with, like you mentioned, the Ravens, the Ravens aren't going to have that rash of injuries again next year like they did this year. I mean, the Browns, I mean, I'm not ruling them out yet. I mean, if I, I they, am, but that's fine. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> maybe Baker, you know, will, okay. Anyway, yeah, let's, 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 we'll pass the, the Browns I mean, and the Steelers, but. You still, but you still have Patrick Mahomes. You, you still, still have Justin Josh Herbert, Allen in the Bills. Josh Allen, Mac Jones and, in the Patriots, gonna probably get better. It's still a Bill Belichick, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll at least give him the best coach. The in Chargers, football. Justin Herbert. He's you know, uh, Kansas City and Mahomes not going anywhere. Tennessee, and, maybe they get better than Ryan Tannehill. Probably maybe. not. But, but you know, but they're chance. still a good team, and they play in a crap division. And, and a so, good chance that Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson could end one up One of in those the guys, or both, could be in the AFC this yeah. time if, next if year. If you're so. one of those teams, you don't want them in the NFC. I'll say that. So if they can ship them to the Broncos or whatever, then, you know, so it, it, it's not going to be easy. I think on the AFC side. I did but, find uh, it funny that one of the books was hedging their bets and had the Packers and Broncos both at the same Super Bowl odds. So <laughs> I like you know, it. Sure, purely coincidental, I'm sure. <laughs> so Shane, let's uh let's let's dive a little bit into the two Super Bowl teams. First, we'll start with the one that didn't win, the Cincinnati Bengals. And you know, we've kind of touched on it, but what in your opinion, and we know the main thing, so we'll go get that out of the way quickly. But what can the Bengals do in the next two months to get back? 
Here, here's what I would do. I would toss money at the offensive line, right? I think I would really try to address it in free agency. You're picking a 31. It's going to be tough, I think, to get an impact offensive lineman there. Maybe you can get an interior guy, uh, but get, go get free agents. I think they're going to want to play for the Bengals uh, if they're willing to pay and, and they have the money to do it. Let's see. This is going to be the ultimate test, I think, to see if Mike Brown opens up the purse strings and is willing to go for it here. And then I think then you can move to the defense if you do that. I mean, you can really have a defensive heavy draft, uh, maybe get some O-line depth and you can address corner. You can dress, you know, interior pass rusher. Um, I think you can, you know, you probably, I imagine Jesse Bates is probably going to get tagged. So, you know, you can draft a developmental safety in the late rounds just in case. I think there's, I think that would, that would be my strategy if I was running the team and could do whatever I wanted. Uh, I would try to just fix the offense. It's, it's in place. It's good. The coaching staff's in place. It's good. Yeah, and then attack the defense with the young guys in the draft. So kind of the opposite of what they've done the last couple of cycles where they've attacked the skill positions uh, in the draft early and spent on the defense this year. So let's spend on the offensive line. Uh, I mean, I really think that the probably the best offensive tackle in free agency is going to be Teron Armstead from the Saints, uh, but he does have the injury history there. Same with Brandon Sheriff on, at guard. I think he's the other one that I think you know you want to spend big money on and can immediately upgrade it. But he's also had the injury issues. But the thing is, I mean, there's a reason these guys are hitting free agency is because the teams that they're on either don't want to pay them or there's something there. So. You know, our, I think there's going to be some middle of the uh, – maybe not – I don't want to call them second wave free agents on the inside, but guys like James Daniels, who I was a big fan of coming out. Uh, he was a, he was he was Tyler Linderbaum in Iowa before Tyler Linderbaum was. <laughs> Supreme athlete, uh, but has played guard for the Bears for four years. Only going to be 24 years old, going to hit free agency there. So he's a guy that I would like to see the Bengals target uh, in free agency. Um, I think there are some cuts to be made that can add a little more dough to the coffers there. Uh, they're going to cut Trey Waynes. He's, you know, that'll save some some money. And uh, probably uh, Trey Hopkins looks like the center. He could be a cap casualty as well. So there, there's going to be – they have the fourth or fifth most cap room in the league right now. There's room to do that. I think – I would rather them extend Jesse Bates without having to tag him just so you don't have that one hard number. But you don't let him go. You know, you you keep him in-house if, if by tag or what. But definitely that's, that's probably priority number one uh, for them. I would like to see them draft maybe in the fourth round. Just say, hey, who's the most athletic tight end prospect on the board right now? Let's let's get that in here. I want I want to get that guy in this offense, just to give Burrow another weapon. Not no offense to CJ Uzama, he ain't exactly gonna be ain't wasn't exactly the the athletic darling coming out of Auburn uh, when he was drafted in the fifth round. So I would like to see them maybe just a developmental athletic tackle, just to, just so Drew Sample doesn't have to go on the field anymore. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, but I'm interested to see. It's going to be a big offseason, so it'll be fun. Yeah, like I said, you've now showed everybody, you showed the entire country on Sunday. People who had never watched the Bengals play before this season watched that game Sunday and said, oh, has it been like this all year? The answer is yes. <laughs> but so the Rams are the Super Bowl champions. Uh, what's next for them? I is Sean McVay going to retire? Is Aaron Donald going to retire? I mean, these are questions surrounding the Rams right now. Um, and you have to love the shirt. Did you see the shirt that Les Snead wore at the parade today, Shane? I did not. I did not see it. He apparently he wore a shirt that had a meme that went around after, I think after maybe the Odell trade or whatever, where it basically just said, F them picks. Oh, yeah. Okay. shirt with his face on it that said, F them picks today. I appreciate yeah, his candor, I guess. But as draft people like we are, we don't like to say if we like all the picks. So, but no, do the Rams, do they They currently don't have a pick in the first two days of the draft. I think they're going to get a comp pick. 
when they're announced in the third round, but currently they don't have any. Yeah, yeah, the the comp pick will be their their first, and I think they're still uh, still project to get that even with a couple additions there in the third round for the 49ers. Um, I, look, I, I, there's not much they can do. I think their their cap space is better than it looks right now on paper. Uh, it looks like it's in the negative, but they're, they're not. It's not the Saints uh, situation where they're like really bad. Um, you know, they have a couple cuts that they're going to make and, and that's going to be enough ultimately to get them uh, above, above space. I, I, I don't know. I think it depends. You know, like Andrew Whitworth's going to retire. He seemed pretty clear about that before the game. Um, so I think the offensive line, they need some reinforcements there. Uh, you know, if, if Aaron Donald does hang it up, which I, I don't think is going to happen, um, even if he stays, I think the front seven can use some upgrades too, even with Ernest Jones playing so well as a rookie. Um, they're, they're not a super deep team. They're relatively healthy. Um, and, you know, if a Fodell Beckham's not going to come back, then you need you need that second receiver. That was huge for them. Like Robert Woods, where's he going to be? I, th- I think there's some question marks there, but ultimately the, the core is in place. They don't really need the picks. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they'll be competitive, but I'm, I'm not necessarily sure I would call them the favorites right now to, to go back again and win again or anything like that. Let's be honest. When they do have the picks, they draft 2-2 Atwell in the second round. Well, all right. I mean, I mean, sure, that was not good. Um, but, you know, they've they've made some some good picks in the past, too. I mean, catches to 2-2 Atwell having the Super Bowl. He he was on IR. Like you can't you can't you can't you can't just knock the guy for for being on IR for the Super. Somebody Bowl. named Skoronek was getting targets from from Golden Dome right there. Scott Wright would uh, would have your head, Skaronski. <laughs> uh, well, it sucks that the Rams won and the Bengals didn't. <laughs> that's all that I know. That's that's according according to uh, Brian. There, there you go. Not not the official uh, thoughts of draft <laughs> yeah. countdown. No, not not for not for the LA market. We are completely neutral always. <laughs> All right, yeah. Shane. So I had a mock draft on Monday. Not the monster that you do every every other week. Now the seven rounder. And my God, Shane, did I see that you have a 2023 seven round mock draft come out tomorrow? Coming out tomorrow. Last one. But uh, the NFL mock draft database requested I update with uh, with the players that are returning. So this is it, and the next one will be the day after the NFL draft. So we'll do it. We'll do anything for the public. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Whatever whatever they want. But uh, so anything? Did anything really stick out to you in my uh, one round mock draft this week, Shane? Good or bad? Um, yeah, I, I think there were some things that stuck out to me. You know, I think the, you know, we could talk quarterbacks briefly because I think that's interesting. We've seen some mocks now from some of the national pundits having all of these guys fall to past 15. Um, you know, you had Kenny Pickett at nine to the Broncos, Matt Corral, um, you know, 11 to Washington. Um, and, and, and then you had some further down the list. Like, how how did you kind of decide, I guess, where to, you know, where to place the quarterbacks in this mock? Because I, I kind of was like, oh, you know, he's got them higher. You had Malik Willis all the way up at six to Carolina. Um, you know, do you, do you think that's what happens? That Like, this is the big question, and we're probably not going to have anything happen. Like, the combine's not going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, Malik Willis ran a 4-4, so he's – now he's a top 10 pick. Like we know it's happening. Um, do you think this is what's going to happen or is this, uh, you know, were you kind of playing around with early quarterbacks to see how everything else fell? I'm just kind of, I mean, with Carolina, I think I had them go the quarterback there. I don't, I don't necessarily like Malik Willis there, but I put him there just because I think they're, they're, they're wanting to make a splash, but if one of the offensive tackles were to have fallen to Carolina, that's probably where I would have went with them. But all the three top ones went in the top five of this mock draft. 
and I think that's a uh, very real possibility. Um, I honestly, the more and more I, I think about it, I like Malik Willis in Atlanta as a fit because I do think he needs to sit the year, I guess. And you can't get rid of Matt Ryan just because of his contract for at least another year. So that might be the perfect place for him to go. It would allow Atlanta to transition to him. And I have sort of quasi compared Willis to Michael Vick (laughs) in a couple of radio interviews I've done. And I think Atlanta fans would like that because I think they loved Mike Vick when he was there. So it would kind of feel like it, but in this mock draft, that's not where it went with Denver. I think Denver's getting a quarterback. I just think it's going to be a veteran and not end up. I think that ninth pick might end up going to Seattle or going to Green Bay in some sort of trade for Rodgers or Wilson or something along those lines. Um, So, but if not, I think that's a good slanting spot for Kenny Pickett. And with Matt Corral, Washington's another team, I think, is going to add a quarterback early at some point. And I felt like Corral was just the one to go there at that point. I've also mocked Willis there a few times as well in in previous mock drafts. Yeah, and that's right, Willis. But Matt Matt Corral might be the guy. You know, I I like him a ton, but he's probably the one that NFL-wise, I'm like, eh, I don't know where he's going to fall. Like, I feel like we feel good Pickett. Willis especially are going to go fairly high when, when the quarterbacks start going, they're going to go, I think pretty quickly. Um, Corral, I think is a wild card. So that is interesting to me. Um, let's, let's, let's keep on the skill positions. Cause, Cause I think the receiver breakdown too is another kind of wild one. And I think we need to combine a little bit to really figure out where these guys are going to go, but you have Traylon Burks, wide receiver from Arkansas 10, to the New York Jets um, with a pick that they got from the Seahawks. Garrett Wilson, receiver from Ohio State, uh, 13 to Cleveland. And then Jameson Williams, 18 to the Saints. Um, and then uh, further down toward the end, you had Chris Olave, 27 to the Buccaneers, and Drake London of uh, Southern Cal to the Packers. Uh, How did you kind of decide, I guess, uh, on the order there? And, um, you know, do you feel like, okay, if Burks – has the combine that we're kind of predicting then tends within his wheelhouse. And this is kind of how they fall down from there. Or do you think even if maybe he disappoints a little, but he still could, we still could start seeing receivers go off the board in that 10 to 15 range. Yeah. I, I think Burks with, he has the combine that we think he's, I think he could actually go higher than that. Maybe around eight to Atlanta. If, if they don't go with the quarterback, that could be a landing spot there. I've, you've seen that mocked a lot here lately with, with them going receiver in the top spot. Uh, with Cleveland and Garrett Wilson, I I think I actually will have Olave ranked higher than Wilson right now, but I think the NFL is going to like Wilson more and Cleveland, you know, in, in general. Uh, with, with the Saints and Jamison Williams, I was basically – I don't know how long he's going to be out with the injury. Is he going to be ready week one? I don't know. And I figured the Saints being in full-on, maybe in full-on rebuild mode, they could afford taking the hit there because they're going to be bad anyway uh, sort sort of thing. Um, I think if Drake London can test coming up here at the Combine or even at his pro day like later, he's going to go higher than I have him at 28. I I think if he's able to show that he's recovered from the injury, the season he's having, and because we both had him had him at wide receiver one or wide receiver two before the injury, mm-hmm. so I think he can get back to that level if he can show he can test and he tests well. Uh, with Alave, like I said, I love Chris Alave. I just I don't know if NFL teams like him as much as as say I do, and you almost forgot to mention there. The sixth wide receiver I had in the first round there. I, well, there's, there's a reason. So my next question okay. is there is a reason. So the last three picks of this draft, I think, are super interesting. Um, uh, Lewis seen safety of Georgia going to 30 to Kansas City. Uh, 
you have Perry and Winfrey, the defensive lineman from Oklahoma. We talked about the senior bowl going 31 to your Bengals. And then, yeah, 32. I feel, I, look, I feel like we talked about him so much. I just didn't want to take up uh, too, more, too much air time talking about my boy Christian Watson, uh, the receiver of North Dakota State, going 32 to the Lions with the Rams pick. Uh, so my question to you, those last three guys, who do you think is most likely to go in the first round uh, when all said and done? And, and uh, who do you think is least likely ultimately? Probably Lewis seen most likely to go. I think he could go higher, uh, maybe even like 24 to the Cowboys who, who seem to be, you know, in the safety hunt there. Um, Winfrey, I think is, depends on how the fallout is with the rest of the interior defensive linemen. I think that's kind of a position that's kind of crumbled up together right now. And we could see some separation after the combine or in pro days. Christian Watson, probably the least likely here, but I felt like the momentum for him after the senior bowl was heading in this direction. And I think he's going to have a great combine too. I think you do as well. I think he's going to go sub four, four um, at the combine. And it, he's already at six, four, two twenty, which I think is what he weighed at the senior bowl or two fifteen. Two, two, yeah. Two eleven. Two eleven. Uh Six four two eleven. You you run sub four four and showed how great of a route runner you were at the senior role practices. I mean, I, I, that's going to catch a a lot of attention. I don't know if it's going to catch first round attention, but uh, definitely I think he's in that high second round range now for sure. If not, you know, this late here. I'll, I mean, and there's also a real possibility some of these other wide receivers don't get drafted in the first round and we could see some of these guys get like we could be sitting here when we go on the air for day two and we're sitting here staring at Chris Olave and you know some of the maybe one of these other receivers who are like okay these are the best available players now on the board somebody come up and get them yeah I I, I do agree with that I mean I don't know the day of the combine, I'm going to put out a prediction of a 40 time for every player there. I don't know if I'm going to go sub 4-4 four, four for Christian Watson. I don't know if I'm going to be that that uh, generous, but if he does run in the 4-3s, I mean, that yeah, that'd be absolutely bonkers. Just to, everything would explode. The draft world would explode. So, um, yeah, you know, the defensive lineman to me is always the toughest thing to mock because I think it's tough to know – how teams will use that player. It's right? just we, not sexy and yeah. as well. Yeah. And I think we've, we've seen like the guys that we have labeled as interior you know, defensive linemen get drafted, get moved to more of an edge kind of role, a versatile role. And it's like, Oh, okay. You know, there's a team that no one had on their team needs board as, you know, needing a defensive lineman and boom, here they are. Right. They, they draft one. So I think that's what gets tough. So I, 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 I'd probably lean to Winfrey being the most likely to me because uh, I, I just think I'm probably underrating where a lot of these D linemen are going to go uh, and more probably go in the first round than we think. Just just my thought. I disagree. Uh, I'm sorry. I agree. Sorry. Not <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. You're coming at me. I thought we were going to fight. Sorry. 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 Yeah. That's going to be Wrong good. Word there. <laughs> so programming note, Shane, you mentioned uh, – you're going to do an article the day of the combine, uh, throwing out some uh, some 40 projections and stuff like that. Uh, our current plan right now is with the combine being in prime time, our our plan right now is to do a live stream of the combine here on the uh, Draft Countdown YouTube channel. And uh, you can also watch it on Twitter. So we're, our plan is to do that every night of the combine. So uh, everybody go ahead and uh, subscribe to the channel and uh, hit that notification bell because – you're going to want that on uh, to see us uh, dice up these combine uh, activities there and, and give our live uh, sort of takes on that. Yeah, I, I think I think it'll be a lot of fun, especially watching the drills and get you know we'll, we'll watch the NFL Network feed and um, get that kind of idea uh, ultimately, and we'll, we'll probably post it up on the site and have an article with, with the the you know with it um, embedded in there too if you forget. But um, you know we can do that as well. I, I have you. You've never gone to the combine. I've never gone to the combine. No, I haven't. I, I just feel like as a draft guy, I feel it sounds like a terrible experience. Like like yeah. you you know if if you are there as a reporter, I think it's great. You get to talk to all these coaches and player like you you know the the press conferences and stuff. Just ongoing is awesome. But you you I think you only get to watch 
like one group actually watch them. The rest, you you literally have to watch on TV. Uh, and then someone out there can correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe they've changed it in recent years, but I know at least like when I was thinking about it seven, eight years ago, it's it sounded like not a good experience as a draft guy. Like you can't even watch. Yeah, I could do this it's same like thing. the opposite of the Senior Bowl experience almost. <laughs> yeah, right. It kind of sounds like where that. you get little access to the players at the Senior Bowl, but you know get to see everything. And here, you know, it's more access to the players, but less actual viewing of the the workouts and stuff. Um. Yeah, so that's that's coming up here in two weeks, two and three weeks, something like that. Three weeks from today, I believe, will be the uh, when the combine starts on Thursday, March the third. Yeah, yeah, two. Weeks that's when from, the workouts start. Uh, two weeks from tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, two weeks. Okay. Yeah. So coming up. Yeah. So uh, let's get back into the draft. And I wanted to just kind of like look at some potential trade spots in the top 10, Shane, you know, because I think we're going to see a couple, at least two uh, trades in the top 10. And I want to kind of maybe, maybe look at some of these and see. And I, I, I put out a seven round mock draft for the Jaguars earlier today on draftcountdown.com. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, I, I put on there that I think Jacksonville would be interested in moving off of number one uh, just for positional value and such, but I don't know how many people is going to want to pay that price to come up, Shane. Zero. That's how many is going to want to pay that price. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to have the be... quarterback to come up. And right, I would be absolutely floored if a team trades up to one for the cost, and you know, who whoever you're taking is just not going to be that much more highly rated than than anyone else. So, where do you think is the first spot that we could see action? Yeah, see, I I kind of disagree with you. I don't think we're going to see that many trades in the top. 10 um like i think the back end more so but once again it's just who, who are people moving up for you know are you moving up for one of the edge rushers i don't know if that's necessarily the case like i, I don't know if anyone's going to move up for Thibodeau or hutchinson like i could see maybe five i would say maybe five um for one of the offensive tackles right if like you know, we have kind of the top four that we're thinking in your order on Monday, Evan Neal, Kevin Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, and then Ike McGuanu, uh from NC State. Then I, I think Charles Cross becomes – I think he's such a step up from the next group of offensive tackles. That could be a possibility. Or, or maybe four. Maybe someone says, okay, I want one of those. Those four prospects are the top tier. I want whoever's left. I want Ikwanu at four. I want Kevin Thibodeau at four. So I would say I'm going to go four as my highest that someone would be willing to move up. Jets already have a buttload of picks, so maybe right. they are okay, or maybe they just, or maybe they want to use them all. Um, Carolina has shown a propensity of trading a lot, so they could be a spot. Maybe they don't want. Maybe that is the spot to trade up for the quarterback. Um, if you're Denver or Washington, and you want to go up, I don't know. It's just so. It's just so rich. You've talked me out of it, Shane. Now it's I just so all. rich for these quarterbacks. Like, are you really moving up to six for Malik yeah. Willis for um, the guy that threw three, three picks against UL Monroe? Are you going to be like, yeah, you know, we're staking our claim? We're, we're trading two future firsts for that. Like you just, you can't, I don't think you can do it. Uh guy in the comments said, uh, Philly's going to move up a few spots. Maybe they do have three first round picks. Um, is there anybody that they would be interested in maybe packaging a couple of those ones to go up and get? I, I think it's a possibility, and I, I think it's either it would either be the receiver position. I think it could be Traylon Burks. Um, you know, if 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 he blows up and has that kind of value at ten, then I think yeah, hey, maybe you move up to eight 
or you know nine and draft him. I could see that. Or I think corner. I think Sauce Gardner um, could be a really nice fit. Who's looks like he's going in the top ten. Looks like yeah, that's what Guy just said as well. Um, I could see that as well. So that's uh, yeah, that, that's kind of my will be my guess. So uh, back end of, you know, it, it's, I don't want to say it's commonplace, but it does happen where you see a team trade up into the back end of round one to get that fifth-year option on a quarterback. We saw the Ravens do it with Lamar. We saw Minnesota do it with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, is is that a possibility of a team coming up and and just use my mock draft as an example? Is would a Sam Howell be worth trading into the back end or Desmond Ritter, uh, if that's your flavor, uh, worth trading into the back end of round one? Or if Matt Corral were to, you know, maybe teams don't like, you know, maybe Matt Corral falls to the bottom. I, I think this is a draft that's more likely for that to happen than the past few, just because the quarterbacks aren't elite. So they're not all going to be gone like last year where by 15, Mac Jones was gone. No one's I know we always get the rumors of every top seven quarterback getting drafted in the first round, but you know, no one was going. I, I think how or crowd could be there if they're sitting there at 29 at 30 at 31 um, yeah, I, I think there are probably teams that maybe look to move up. Um, once again, I, I think the, the only issue is, do you have a team that's picking high in the second round that's willing to do that? Like Detroit already has 32, so maybe, you know, they can move up from 32, I guess. Like Houston might feel comfortable enough with Davis Mills. I don't know. The Jets have their quarterback. I think the Giants might be comfortable enough. Um and and Carolina doesn't have a second round pick. It's like so now you're getting to the back end of the top ten. You got to move okay. up from, right. you know. So that so th- that could be tricky. But I think this would be the year for that to happen. I almost put Sam Howell to Detroit at pick thirty two. It's gonna I, be a, it's I, gonna be a common pick. I'll say that. I, I think so. I think you're you're probably right. All right, Shane. So we're not gonna have the longest episode that we've ever had tonight because we're kind of, I think we, we talked about it before we're kind of in the middle of, you know, season, so to speak, we we're, we're into the NFL season, but we're still a few weeks away from the combine. Uh, we're going to have a great guest coming on next week, talking about the combine. We're going to have Kent Lee Platt of Raz football coming on next week to talk about, we're going to preview the combine with him. Uh, so we'll definitely have a, a lot of combine talk coming up in the next few weeks, but we do have a lot of questions we're going to answer tonight, Shane, from the the old Twitter machine here. So we'll start out with at Dirty Birds with a Z, capital R, ask, why does everyone hate George Karlaftis now? Yeah, we, we saw some mock drafts today from some of the big wigs. Uh, you know, Todd McShay most notably released his with Karlaftis following into the uh, mid-20s to Tennessee, I believe. I could be wrong, but, you know, around that area. Um, you know, I I don't know. I don't think that the NFL is going to hate George Karloftis. <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I still don't see it. Um, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, I really like a player, but, yeah, I know the NFL probably isn't going to love them. I, I, George Karloftis is not that guy. Like, edge rusher is still a premium position, could I see him falling behind Jermaine Johnson? You know, I think it could happen. But, I mean, after that, you're telling me that no other team is going to want an edge rusher to the late 20s? That just does not seem – that's like number two after the quarterback. The teams want, need. You have a lot of teams with that need. Um, yeah, I, I just – I think he's going to go still go in the top 20 for sure. Um. We mentioned uh, Kent Lee Platt uh, coming on next week. Uh, follow him on Twitter at MathBomb, by the way. But uh, he tweeted out some like preview of cards or whatever, and he plugged in numbers that Bruce Feldman had in his 
annual freaks article and plug them in just to kind of show you what George Karlaftis and Aiden Hutchinson's Raz could be. And they both had tens. Oh, would man. be one of the most athletic players at the position ever. Wow. Going back to 1987. Just plugging in the numbers, you know. And, and like I said, those numbers, you could have a bad day or whatever. It doesn't end up being like that. But if George Karlaftis goes into the combine and gets does anywhere like for my anything over a nine something. Yeah, any, uh, anything over a nine. Raz, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, he, he's he's not gonna fall to 26. It's just not gonna happen. Um let's uh let's move on to the next question at Dante3346. He's not even supposed to be here today, Shane. Uh which event holds the most weight in draft stock this time of year? All-star games, pro days, combine. So I'll give I'll give my order. Um I think I think combine's one. And I know, like maybe that's a for for as much as we we talk senior bowl, that's a, a stab in the back there. But I I just think the combine, you get the underclassmen, you get everyone, you get numbers on things like you get hard data that you can compare apples to apples. I still think it's very important. I know so many people will and will talk down the combine. Well, you know what they do on the field is more important. Of course it is, but you know this is justifying getting to see that and saying yes this is true i know it's true or seeing what you see on film and saying whoa those numbers don't match up let me go back and make sure that i was correct uh you know i think that is that's what the combine gets to give you i think the all-star games are second because um you know they're i i think they are huge to see these players against each other see those small school players i mean a guy like joshua williams from fayetteville state like you know move way up my board because of what he did the senior bowl. You know, th these, these are because we got to see him play against top tier power five conference players and do well. I think that's really important. We, we don't get that in any, any other time. There's no way else to see that other than the all-star games and especially the senior bowl. And I think the pro days are uh, important, but most, most of the draftable guys are at the combine anyway. Right. So like, do we really need them? And I know people talk about inflated numbers, and this is going to be a question I'm going to ask Kent next week because um, he, he had a really good explanation last year about it. But the pro days are catching up. Like, they're not, it's not as wide a chasm anymore. I think the 40 times it's like 0.02 difference between pro days and combine. So, you know, generally it's guys that, you know, you're hoping late round, sixth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks where that really matters or players that couldn't work out the combine and can at their pro day. Um, so I'd put that third. Best thing about pro days for me, I mean, other than last year, obviously, when that's all we had, but if you have a crap day at the combine, I mean, the pro day is your is your get out of jail free card. And who was the uh, it was one of the Florida guys a couple of years ago who just crapped the bed at the combine, but ended up having a really good pro day and still and got back in the first round. I can't remember who it was. Might have been Vernon Hargraves now that I think about it, but that didn't really work out. <laughs> uh, don't get me started. Now, now I'm thinking about freaking uh, Vernon no, let's, Hargraves. Uh, yeah, no, let's, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go in the order that – well, not the order he had him listed, but I – specifically the Senior Bowl is number one for me because I, that's the one I get to see in person. For four days, you know, not straight, but four days out of a week, I'm seeing these guys up close and personal, seeing how they compete and seeing how they perform against their peers in a one-on-one -on -one type setting. Um, combine is a, is second for me because you need that data. I mean, you can, you can almost, and I, I've been guilty of not doing it in the past, of trying to get better, but if a player isn't athletic, he's probably not going to play in the NFL for very long. And that's them's facts. I mean, if a player can be a great college football player and if he's not a good athlete, chances are he's probably not going to be a good NFL player. It's not guaranteed. You still have exceptions to the rule. Um, but it does happen. 
So, so I put the combine second at All Star Games, Pro Days third, but only put Pro Days third because most of the players who, like you said, who are at the combine are going to be the ones that are going to get drafted. If you didn't get a combine invite, you're probably going to be a sixth or seventh round pick or an undrafted free agent. That's just it's it's maybe not fair, but it's kind of the way it is. So that's how I would go with that. No, I think it's fair. And I'll make one more comment. We'll talk about Kent with this. There's one position where athleticism does not correlate to success, and that is center. Center is the only thing where it doesn't seem to matter. Everything else does. So really interesting. We'll get into it next week for sure. That seems so weird, though, because that feels like the one offensive line <laughs> position where you'd want to be an athlete, right? Yeah, yeah. So weird. But anyway, okay. Uh, next question. At Lord Luckin asks, Interested to hear your pre-combine top five interior defensive lineman list, and I'm going to have a follow-up to this, similar to the Carl Aftis question we had earlier. But uh, right now he has uh, DeMarvin Leal, Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, Travis Jones, Fidarian Mathis, uh, Perrion Winfrey, just missing the cut, Shane. That's his top five. So here's my top five right now, um, and there's definitely been some changes. The Senior Bowl has made a major impact on this. So I have Perry and Winfrey at one. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm going hard for Perry and Winfrey. I don't think he'll be the first one off the board, like like we talked about. He might not even be a first round pick, but I, I think I, I, he's legit. Uh, I have Trayvon Walker from Georgia, number two, it's because he can kind of play the edge as well. Yeah, I and almost I almost think that he and and let's caveat that by saying before this is all said and done, we're probably going to end up moving him over to edge uh, before the process is, is, is played out maybe, but I feel like that's probably the right way to go. But as of right now, uh, I also have him second. Okay. Um, I have Travis Jones, UConn three. I, I just knew that senior bowl because the U- UConn was so hard to evaluate, but you knew he was a big athlete. Yep. He can play Right. Um, I have the Marvin Leal fourth. Um, you know, which is a drop from where we had him in season. Uh, but, you know, going back and watching him a bit, I don't think he's bad. I, I do think the NFL is not going to like him uh, too much. And I still like him a lot. I still have him fairly high in my top 100. But I just think um, I think he's a little bit of a tweener. Uh, you know, where he where is he going to play? Where's he going to be most effective? And I have Jordan Davis fifth, um, who – I like because I think he is like an elite run blocker, two down guy. I I still I don't know how long I'll hold on to this. Maybe we'll see what the combine says, but I, I don't think Jordan Davis goes in the first round. Like I I just don't think a team's gonna take him in the first round. Uh, just just he only played two downs at Georgia, um, and I actually think he has a little bit more pass rush ability than he gets than he gets credit for. Um, but I do have him over Devontae Wyatt and for that fight Aaron Mathis. But the, that top seven is is pretty good to me. Um, I'm going to come back to talk about Jordan Davis in just a second because I have a thought on what you just said. But I still have DeMarvin Leal one. Maybe I shouldn't. But I bring this up kind of similar to the question we got about uh, George Karlaftis. Uh, Dane Brugler released his top 100 at The Athletic the other day, and he had DeMarvin Leal as the 51st overall player one spot behind your favorite Alabama receiver, John Mechie in his top 100. Uh, Brugler seems to be kind of tuned in to what a lot of scouts are thinking. And, and you've gone back and watched DeMarvin Leal. I feel like I need to now um, and maybe move him off of number one, but I also have Trayvon Walker number two, but like I said, I think we may end up moving him over to edge. Uh, Jordan Davis, I currently have third. Uh, Perry and Winfrey, fourth. Travis Jones, fifth is my current top five. But quick thought on Jordan Davis. Uh, you mentioned he was only two-down guy at Georgia. Um, I feel like he is a better prospect than Dexter Lawrence was, who I also viewed as a two-down uh, defensive tackle coming out of Clemson, and he went 14th overall. Now Dave Gettleman's retired, so <laughs> I don't know. That that doesn't help Jordan Davis, I guess, when the one GM who, who would view that as a top 15 player is gone. But I think he offers much more athleticism and pass rush than Dexter Lawrence did, and, and Lawrence went 14th 
So I, I see what you're saying, though, and I agree that I think he may be not viewed as well by the NFL as what we do. So while I'm thinking about it here, because I, I just want to ask, a follow, just follow up the follow up here. Uh, if we do end up inevitably moving Trayvon Walker to edge, where do you slide him in in your edge rankings? Mm, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. Fourth, I think. I think I'd probably put him fourth behind Thibodeau Hutchinson. And I think I'd have Karloftis over him, though I think he would go higher uh, yeah. ultimately. Like, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's going to be close between those two. That's kind of where I was at. I would slide him in a little behind Karloftis, but ahead of Jermaine Johnson and David Ojabo. Okay. Fair. That sounds good. Okay. Uh, last question. At DB Talking Sports, how does positional value affect your big board rankings? Really good question, uh, because I think this is different for everyone. It definitely plays a part in my rankings. Like, I, I mean, if if not, uh, where, where's the matter of reason in your rankings then, Brian, right? Like, if, if it's just based off of where, you know, where you value Not that. 151, I can tell you that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Like, like he's a really good prospect. He's a punter. You know, I can't put him in the top the fifty. Um, so it does. Like, would these quarterbacks in a vacuum probably wouldn't be in my top thirty-two? You know, but there's potential with all of them, and they're they're still quarterbacks, and teams need them, and it's the most important position on the field. So yeah, they're going to get bumped up. Um, you know, I, I'm ultimately not necessarily trying with my overall rankings to predict what the NFL is going to do, but the positional value has to play a piece in there. Edge rushers are going to get bumped up a little bit. QBs will, you know, corners uh, ultimately. So I think you just have to kind of play that game of how much do you, do you make this move? I used to try to not do it. And I mean, the the big board is a disaster. It just looks like a disaster because it doesn't reflect the NFL. And I don't think that's the goal of my big board to say, you know, because guess what? When NFL teams have a big board, if they their their vertical board, it, it's going to take positional. <laughs> you know, the positions are going to be what they what they need and what you know what is important is going to be in effect there. I think that's going to be. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely come back to that in the, in the coming weeks before the draft, and we'll kind of like go through how because I think me and you will differ on how we position how we value certain positions. I think I might value positions a little bit differently than you do maybe not the top the top ones but as we get you know, further in so i'll be anxious to see you know how how you value each position um to answer the question on my end two years ago i did not and my rankings before that i did not really value put physician value in it and because of that i got crucified up to the draft for having Jonathan Taylor as the number two overall prospect in his draft class. Jonathan Taylor pretty good. Yeah. I'm not saying he was the second best player in his draft class. Maybe he was, I don't know, but I, I got crucified for that. And, you know, so now after that, I kind of started adding some positional values, formulas and stuff into it. Like, okay, I, I, well, this year, I don't think there's a running back worthy of being ranked in the top 32 even, uh, but I wouldn't do it anyway at this point. So, spoiler alert, that's going to be the lowest positional value of non-specialists. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I think that for most people, I would guess, running back and, you know, so I think that'll be a good episode. We'll have to do at some point in uh, in March. There, we'll have to really dig into that. Yeah. All right. Thanks for uh, thanks for watching. As always, Dwayne, uh, we appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts, Shane, on uh, on this weekend in draft and what we got coming up. I, I think it's actually going to be a, a good weekend for content, at least uh, for me. Like like you mentioned before, I'm going to have a seven-round 2023 mock tomorrow. Um, I, have a, I have an article I'm excited about on Sunday. Uh, I'm of, you know trying to break down how to 
kind of do like scouting reports. And so I'm comparing each quarterback uh, to a classic NES video game. Uh, one, one of my three loves there is, uh, you know, football video games and musical theater. So I don't think it's time to bust out the fan of the opera comparisons yet. So we're going to stick with video games here. Um, so look forward to that. If you're, you know, in, uh, in, in the, the elder millennial or earlier Gen X, um, generation i think this will hit home with you for sure and then yeah and then i've, I've started gonna start working on my my mock draft for monday uh, 2022 seven rounder i i am absolutely just enthralled with the the thought process of this article like who's gonna be metroid i'm just i'm just i'm, I'm ready for it Who, who's excite bike who's techno bowl who's mario brothers i'm just i'm just, I'm, just I'm, I'm i can't wait to read this um I've got some interesting stuff coming up here over the next couple of days. I'm starting to do some individual team mocks. I'm going to try – my goal is to try to get everybody, every NFL team in uh, between now and, and April 28th. Uh, started with Jacksonville today. Uh, had the Detroit Lions, I believe, coming up on Friday. And I'm going to do the Bengals on Saturday. Uh, also coming up on Saturday is the final All-Star game. I believe of the circuit. It's the HBCU Legacy Bowl. It's taking place in New Orleans. Um, I'm going to have a write-up about that coming up next Wednesday. Uh, but I'll be watching that or on uh, at some point this weekend. I'm going to record it on Saturday and get a report up on that. I saw a lot of those guys that are playing in that game at the HBCU Combine uh, a few weeks ago. So be interested to see those some of those guys out on the field. Uh, like uh, like Marcus McLean, the uh, wide receiver from Southern, who uh, had I thought he had a, a pretty good uh, day at the HBCU Combine. So see him get to see him out on the field. I think is going to be uh, something to see. So I mentioned it earlier, but if you are watching this on the YouTube channel, uh, subscribe to the channel, uh, hit the like button for the videos, and uh, notif- get the notification bell so you get notified when we go live, especially during the combine and the draft. We're gonna have some a lot of big stuff coming up uh, for that. Wherever you listen to us on your podcast, be it be it Apple, be it Spotify, be it Google, whatever, uh, Podbean, uh, give us a, a five star rating, thumbs up, like the whatever they do, like the video, uh, the podcast, and uh, that way more people can uh, our, our ratings get juiced a little bit, so more people can find us and listen, and uh, you know hear all this great chatter that we have each and every. Week here can on I say account. one quick thing about that? Yes, I, w- I would love to get to 100 subscribers by before the combine so that we can have a custom YouTube link that's youtube.com/slash draft countdown. So that, that is the goal. We need 100 subscribers to do 100 subscribers. So you that, heard it. Get on it, people. <laughs> get on it. Subscribe YouTube 100 before the combine so we can get cool stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. thanks. All right, that's gonna do it for tonight's episode of the Draft Countdown Podcast. Follow me on Twitter, at Deep Fried Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter, at Shane P. Hallam. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter, at Draft Countdown. Until next time, everybody.